Hey, Cardinal fans, just a quick note before we get this episode underway. This conversation was recorded Wednesday at about 2 o'clock. And of course, as soon as we shut down the studio, closed everything up and began editing, the Alex Reyes news dropped. So we do talk about Alex Reyes a lot in this episode and the injury and kind of how everything's been handled. Um, But you will notice a glaring omission when we don't discuss the fact that he has lost for the year. Um, That will obviously be covered on an upcoming episode, but just wanted to make everyone aware there's plenty of Alex Reyes talk, but after the conversation is when he was announced to be lost for the season. So enjoy the rest of the episode. I will see you on the other side. Good now? Yeah, we're now recording. All right. We're back. Welcome to the Baseball SDL Podcast. JJ Bailey here, joined by producer Mike Ritter and KMOV Baseball STL Cardinal writer Brendan Schaefer. We have returned after an extended hiatus uh, with our deepest apologies. We originally went on break uh, because I had the birth of my first child, and so we took a couple weeks off, and then we returned to the studio uh, for a thrilling conversation that was eventually lost to the sands of time because we had some technical difficulties on the file and then the technical difficulties infected the recording equipment and the firewall and so what turned out to started out as a valiant return uh spiraled quickly into an extended four-week forced vacation but we are back hopefully all things will work uh, first one of the year, really the first podcast I think ever, Brendan, that you have been on. For the yeah, I've never podcast. been here. I got to tell you, this the studio here is very lovely. I feel like I'm in somebody's home. It's yes, we are using the Great Day Studio at the KMOV offices. So it, we are actually recording this in a kitchen. Um, Brendan was at the game, all the Miami games this week, and was at uh, you were out of town. For the Pittsburgh series. I was out of town. I caught the uh, Thursday game. That's right. Game okay. one of the Pittsburgh series, which was one of the walk-offs they had. One of the, the many. Weekend. One of the many this season. Yeah. Uh, and producer Mike is back on the boards. Mike, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be back. You can follow Mike at Mike... Steve. Steve... Ritter. Ritter on Twitter. And you can follow Brendan Schaefer. I'm sure you already do if you're listening to this at... Was it Brendan? B. Schaefer B. Schaefer 12. 12. B. Schaefer 12. And you can follow me at the JJ Bailey, but don't waste your time. All right, Mike, let's get into this. What are we talking about today? Okay, so catching everyone up to speed. It's been a while since we've talked some Cardinal baseball. Cardinals are thirty-two and twenty-six. They're three and a half games out of first place behind the uh, the juggernaut Milwaukee Brewers, who the Cardinals have struggled with this year, and the Chicago Cubs. Uh, so right around this time of the year, you really need someone to step up, and the Cardinals got. Yachty and Carlos back last night. You thought maybe that would be the spark, but that really wasn't the case, especially on Carlos. Yachty did have an RBI in last night's game. Yeah, Yachty returning from a a traumatic hematoma, which is a very uh, Latin way of saying he got hit in the groin, the crotch, uh, by a 100-mile-an-hour-plus thrown fastball that skipped and hit him uh, right in the plums there. So from, he's been from Jordan Hicks. from Jordan Hicks, the the catcher destroying juggernaut that is Jordan Hicks. Uh, he was out for about a month. Exactly a month, I think. Exactly. It a happened month. on May fifth, and then yesterday he comes back on June fifth. So he's okay. So he's back. Well, let's talk about real quick. Let's talk about last night's game because rarely do we focus on one game on a weekly podcast. But last night's uh, was particularly egregious. Brendan, you were in the house for that. You know, as Mike points out, here comes Yachty, here comes Carlos. 
Uh, you expect this to be kind of like now they find their stride. Maybe there's a big boost from this. Instead, what you get is probably the poorest, the, the most poorly played game of baseball on the season. Take think, me through what you I saw there. I think it's the most poorly played game of baseball I can remember doing this since like the middle of 2016. That's fair. I mean, I mean there have been some bad ones. Not counting spring training, I think I might agree. I saw spring training, they had five errors in one game, and it looked like everyone had bricks for hands, but that's spring training. This, I mean, walk, okay, so walk, for, for anybody who didn't catch the entire game last night, walk, walk us through some of the, the lowlights here. And there are, there are many of them, and, and for an article for KMOV and Baseball STL last night, I just kind of started making a list at the end because it, it, there, there were just so many of them. Um, I think the most egregious was Tommy Pham getting picked off of third base in the fifth inning. That was kind of a spot in that game where they could have turned things around. They had already scored a couple of runs in that inning at the time. Pham was the tying run on third down 5-4, and you had Ozuna on second base with just one out. And it, it was a difficult pickoff move, and, and Mike Matheny said as much after the game uh, that it was one that they got caught on. But Pham, in, in his response, was not really up for taking any of the, the blame for that. He said he's the wrong guy to talk to about how that happened. I think the implication was that Pham felt he should have gotten a signal that the third baseman was moving back toward the bag as, as Urania was setting up that pickoff attempt. But regardless of the reasons or the explanations for why, it's just a spot in the game where it they could not afford that to happen, and it ended up kind of, you know, putting the knife into their sails, and they, they didn't lead after that point. Well, and we were talking about this before we were on, on mic earlier today. When was the last time that you can remember a pitcher picking somebody off at third base? The catcher throwing down the line happens. But when was the last time a major league pitcher has picked somebody off third base? I wasn't even sure that it was like a like a legal move. I guess because he doesn't <laughs> go towards home plate. Through to third base. Exactly. So I'm looking at that, thinking, okay, yeah, that's pretty pretty nuts. But if you watch, kind of, you can take a still still shot as the third baseman is is coming back toward the bag. Fam's body is turned all the way toward home plate. He's not squared up to the mound, and and I think because of that, there was just no way for him to probably get back, even if. Okendo does give him a, a quicker heads up over there at third base. I, yeah. It's a tough play, and, you know, that's what Matheny said after the game. But by that same token, Pham said the scouting report mentioned it. It was something that they were aware of, and, and I guess he felt that that should have been a situation where he gets more of a heads up. But if that's the case, if you know that this pitcher possesses this ability for a rare pickoff move that you don't often see, I feel like you, your body positioning has to be such that until that guy goes home, even though you're trying to score on contact, I just don't see how you get yourself into that position. Well, that, and that wasn't the only mistake of the game. Certainly it was not. That's a, that's a that's a painful one. Yes. Uh, take me through. Um, you know, your your article kind of lays out. A, yeah, we do a, a list of a list of. Uh, it's almost like a, a bad diagnosis, medical yeah. diagnosis. So we've got a couple by by Jose Martinez who had a tough night over at first base. One was, uh, and I think I, I phrased it. This was the silver medal of the, the goofy blunders that happened last night uh, in the eighth inning. A throw from Matt Carpenter, which is always kind of an experience going Carpenter to Jose Martinez yes. at first base. Uh, on that throw, it wasn't a, a terrible throw. He would have had to stretch forward at first base a little bit. Um, but instead of stretching to, to get the out at first base, Jose Martinez jumps off the bag and then kind of pump fakes a throw to third base where J.B. Shuck was heading from second to third after Carpenter delivered the throw over to the bag. It, it was a it was an odd play, and I, I that is one where I had to ask Jose Martinez exactly kind of what he was 
was thinking in that situation. And what he said was that he, he thought he had a better chance to get the runner at third because Cameron Mabin, who was the batter in that situation, was the faster runner. That's what he said. Didn't, didn't necessarily jive with, with what I thought the first baseman's instinct probably ought to be. And that might be a, an element of his not being very familiar with that position. And that's, and that's a good point. Position. That, you know, he, he's, he doesn't have a career's worth of instincts at first base. Right. But, and again, the fact that he's, he justified it and, and clarified it, that's, that's good. But we've seen him make a considerable amount of misplays at first whether it's feet positioning or something like this, a judgment call or a ball skipping off the glove or throwing it. I mean, the very first Which play also of the happened. season, he threw it into left field. Right. Um, but again, I got to keep it moving. He wasn't the only one. No, he was not. We had some throwing errors. There were, well, and that's the thing too. Jairo Munoz got a throwing error on one of those plays where it skipped off of Martinez's glove. That throw was very far up the line. Uh, Martinez, it did go off his glove, so kind of the old adage that if it hits your glove, glove, you can make the play. But he was also trying to swipe the base runner at the same time because he wasn't going to be able to get the force out because the throw was so poor. And so that was one of them. I think the other throwing error might have been Matt Carpenter on on the play that Jose Martinez stepped off the bag. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong about that, but if that were the case, I would probably lean more toward Jose being at fault in that play. But again... He said it was a judgment call that he did make a mistake on that one. Well, and Marcelo Zuna sailed a throw. Well, that was did he get an error for that, or was I think that was just a deal where didn't get the guy at home. Yeah, but it was that was a one of the more. It was a bad throw from left field. It was, it was not a bad close. Throw. A Carlos Martinez, lollipopped a that was a, the a one throw that, over to yeah, first base. That was the one that, that Mike that Matheny get was under his skin because Mike Matheny yep. rarely will admit. Uh, Really, really, will speak bluntly about mistakes uh, apart from coach speak, where it's you know we got to you know we have to work on that or refocus it, and everybody's trying their best, and mistakes happen. And then his answer to the the Carlos Martinez question uh, conveyed quite a bit of displeasure, I would say. Yeah, he was asked if he had a problem with that play, the way it played out, and he said, "Yeah, uh, we don't. That's not something that we work on. You got to get up and make a throw." And so. What, what Carlos did was, I mean, he had it knocked down. The ball was there on the mound for him to kind of make a play. But he really took his time. I mean, he was just sitting there for a couple seconds, kind of lining up the throw from his rear end. And, it, you know, he didn't have anything behind it. He lollipopped it over to first base. And, you know, a run scored on that play. I mean, that, that would have been the final out of an inning. And instead, it was an additional run for Miami. Well, and in addition to this, this is one of baseball's worst teams, if not the outright worst, top to bottom. To lose a game like that, this is a problem that has plagued this Cardinal team, I think, the last three years, four years, most recent iterations of this team, especially when it comes to fundamentals, be those base running, fielding, I mean, simply trying to take extra bases or having your feet in the right position to make a play at first base. They seem to play down to the level of their competition or up to the level of their competition. And for them to beat themselves against the Miami Marlins, who have sold off everything in Miami that isn't nailed to the floor, is astounding to me. To lose this game because you weren't, because because of things that little leaguers are taught to master. And we, you and I were talking about, we were texting back and forth about this last night. How do you go about fixing this at a major league level? I mean, you don't, you can't run laps or run poles. You're not going to show up to take. Everyone has to take a hundred extra grounders before practice. You're in the middle of a 162 game season, and you are at a level of competition in which th- these are things that are supposed to be second nature. These are not discussion points, 
and to have a team that's continuing to make mistakes like this, what, how do you rectify this? And at what point does it become clear to the team, at least, you know, they, they don't tell to us anyway. Maybe they know. They have to probably know. It's kind of year three, I think, of, of these lack of fundamentals showing up frequently in their game. But when you ask, which I did last night to Mike Matheny, how do you go about doing that? His answer was, get better. That's yeah, it. Get better. I asked right. Jose Martinez the same question, and he kind of chalked it up to just one of those learning experiences that he said it's kind of better that it takes place now rather than the end of the season. But And that sounds good to say, but the last two seasons it's taken place all the way through. It hasn't been fixed in July or August. It's just been there. And, and you run the risk of now, okay, we're into June in this new season – at what point is it, okay, that's not just like a learning experience, it's just who we are as a team. Yeah, at a certain point, it's, it's I, I say this a lot, but it's getting awful late to say it's still early. This is, this is a trend that has continued, and because this has continued, look at the amounts that they have missed the playoffs, the amount of games, the amount of wins they, they fell short to make the playoffs. Games like this decide October. And not, and not just in October. It decides whether you make it to October. And this is a game that you look back. Mike Matheny always says, you never know which is the loss that's going to knock you out of the playoffs because you don't know when it came. Put this one down. Put this one in the ledger. This is a game you should have won. You had 12 hits. Your bullpen imploded. You still should have won this game. They played themselves out of easy wins. And if they had not had that run early on against the Reds, I think – you know they're in a much worse hole, but they they played well enough against the Reds to to bank a lot of early wins. You got to bank these wins against the Marlins, because you're going to have to play the NL East. You're going to have to play the Cubs and the Brewers and the Pirates who don't like losing to the Cardinals. You cannot just give these things away. You aren't a good enough team to just steamroll better teams. You know you're not going to steal four against the Dodgers. So this, this is confounding to me, and I don't know how you fix it. I think that's a bigger problem. But moving on, we'll leave that game behind, as we should. Mike, where are we going from here? Well, just to reiterate some of the, the stats about the fundamentals, Cardinals have 43 errors this season, which is the third most in baseball and the fourth worst fielding percentage in baseball. They also lead baseball in one category, and that's caught stealing. They get caught stealing more than any team in baseball. The Cardinals haven't thrown out a single base runner either. Yadi has not thrown out a single uh, base that, runner stealing this year. That's insane to have gone this long. Now, he was out, and he was out. Right, correct, but, but still. To, to have gone this long where you have the worst <laughs> base stealing percentage and you haven't prevented a base stealer all season long is – I mean, this is these are the microcosms that get lost in the overall box scores of games that determine – competitive advantage during gameplay the fact that they can move guys into scoring position and you cannot that gives them an edge inning after inning these you know and the, these fielding position i mean this is something that i expected to be cleaned up a lot more when jose okendo returned that's what's that like i i was i was definitely ranting and raving for years that there's got to be a correlation between terrible base running and terrible fielding in the absence of jose okendo jose okendo is back now now he's working with He's shaping clay in Jose Martinez, and Matt Carpenter, uh, to be frank, is, a, is, is on the borderline of being a liability pretty much anywhere in the infield. He seems to play second a little bit better, but the rate at which Colton Wong is covering ground there, you cannot put Matt Carpenter there. It is an undeniable downgrade. So there are a couple of built-in liabilities in the infield. However, 
the fourth worst fielding percentage? The th- third. third worst fielding percentage? Fourth. 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 Okay. <laughs> third most errors. Is this, Brennan, this is kind of an uncomfortable question, I guess, but is this, is this just a matter of, like, this is the ceiling of the talent that you have in the field? Yeah, they. I don't think they've prioritized defense necessarily with the way they've they've built this year's roster. Like the idea that Colton Wong could be your second baseman, he hasn't hit the way you'd thought he would. But when you went out and you know said you know didn't really necessarily make that big move at the corner infield spot and said we trust Jose Martinez's bat to be able to play at this yeah. level, which as, it is. I mean, to their defense, yeah, it's doing that fine. Um, but he he's definitely not a first baseman, and I think mm-hmm. Carpenter's. I would use the word serviceable at first base. He's not yeah. the end of the world at first base. I, you don't like him at any of the other spots as much, as you mentioned. And so because you have Jose Martinez at first, Matt Carpenter's bat stays in the lineup. You're shifting him now to third, and you've lost Paul DeYoung, who was your only solid yeah. defender on the infield. And so, and that's just the infield. You've seen Marcelo Zuna make some errors in the outfield, whereas he was brought in to hit. Yeah. And so it's just kind of the way they've built this team, I think, that that doesn't come – as much of a surprise, I have been surprised that the base running hasn't gotten better because they seem to have a, a few guys that should be able to do that, Tommy Pham among them. And I understand the mindset of aggression, but also you were, in addition to the caught stealings and the other stats you guys mentioned, I looked it up last night that they're in the top 10 and outs on the bases, which they added to last night. They probably have moved up and those they rankings. Were, they were number one or two in the league, weren't they in – in previous seasons during stretches they've, they've been they've been high up there i don't know that they were quite as high last year as i thought in looking it up I, I i cannot remember the number off the top of my head but i know that this year they were in the top 10 and they had a couple more last night so it's not it's not going in the right direction so moving on from defense because i think we've kind of beat that horse to death uh let's talk a little bit more about pitching because the the past month while we've been off uh, not podcasting. The pitching's actually been pretty good. Starting pitching. Bullpens have been a little bit more Jekyll and Hyde. You have guys like Bud Norris who have been very consistent. He blew his first save on Saturday, but the Cardinals were able to win. Um, but then you got a couple other guys. A guy like Tyler Lyons, who has not been great. He comes in last night, does his job. Uh, talk a little bit more about the bullpen, a little bit more about the starting pitchers, the surprises with Michaelis. Uh, I believe Michael Waka had a pretty good outing on Sunday. We can oh, talk about okay. that. Right. I will say, I mean... <laughs> Brennan, Brennan is here because luckily Brennan is here to rein me in. Because if Maurice was on, I would have him just clear out the paint and let me let me cook on Michael Waka. But that, that was something that I wrote about a couple weeks ago that I will continue to write about. Um, you know, Alex Reyes is going to dominate the news, I think, for better or worse, and we'll get to him in 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 a minute here. But whether he's pitching well or there's speculation on his injury, he's going to be the guy everyone wants to talk about. Carlos Martinez obviously is uh, working on some of his best. You know, his, he, this is his best season, I would say, at least to this point. Miles Michaelis, Snoo, uh, Jordan Hicks, 105 miles an hour. You know, Bud Norris, hey, who knew he was a closer? Everyone forgets about Michael Waka. I think they're getting it's getting harder and harder to forget about him now. But he's having the best season of his career. He is better now than he was as a rookie. And he's doing it in a completely different way. He's got four pitches, four polished pitches that he throws at any time in any part of the zone, and they're all coming out of the same spot in his delivery. His curveball is a weapon. It is not a show curve. It is not a buy-me-time pitch. It is an out pitch. It is a opening opening in a bat pitch. It's a 1-0 pitch. It's whenever he wants it. The cutter is fantastic. The change and the fastball have never worked as well together than maybe when uh, he came up in 2013. But just a quick run before, Brennan, you have to kick me off here. I'll keep going. 241 ERA, lowest of his career. 
1.099 whip, tied for the lowest of his career. His fielding independent ERA is 3.31, lowest of his career outside of that brief run as a rookie. Lowest hits per nine, lowest home runs per nine, little up on the walks per nine, but that doesn't surprise me because when you have four pitches and it's not fastball changeup, you can play around at the edges of the zone a little bit more. You can work at bats a little bit more. Strikeouts per nine, about even with his, his good years, and his strikeout-to-walk ratio is 2.26. Not great, but not the worst. He's on pace to finish, I would say, if he keeps throwing like this, you're in the conversation for Cy Young at the end of the year. What's his innings count right now? 71. I think that's the biggest, the, one of the biggest stats you could throw out because he's been a guy who we've wondered about in the past of, of can, he, can he get deep into ball games and then can he hold up over the course of a season. Now, that's not necessarily something we know right now, whether he's going to hold up, but he, he looks sharp and he looks – I mean, th- there's no reason to right now question his health is what I'm, is what well, I'm getting at. He's on pace. You know, he threw 165 – almost 166 last year, which was 170 is, to me, a confetti-level innings work for him. That would right. be absolutely – if you're getting 165 to 170 innings out of Michael Walker every year, given you know his shoulder condition, that is spectacular. And his 71 innings now, he now officially is better than he was as a rookie because he only threw 64 innings as a rookie. So he is – he is – Looking like he has the longevity that he hadn't had in, in the last couple years, he's looking like he's got the pitches he hadn't had, and he's looking like he's got the effectiveness, the, the, the repeatability of his effectiveness that he hasn't had in, I don't know, since, honestly, I would say since 2013. Yeah. Maybe 2015 when he was an all-star, but he was up and down that year, too. It's a real bummer that the Cardinals are three and a half games out of first place and they're in third in the division, because I'm just imagining what it would look like if this team could get into a playoff series with, with you know three or four of these pitchers still healthy. A yeah. Michaelis, a Waka, and a Carlos Martinez, the way those guys are going right now. And that is, yeah, that is, that's an incredible thing to be saying now at this point. Yeah. You know, when we looked at this offseason and, and no one was really sure what to make of Michaelis. And, uh, I thought it was the weak point of the team. If you counted the, the bullpen, the, starting, the pitching. starting pitching, and the offense, I said that was the one I could see it being fine, but I, I wasn't as confident. And it's been more than fine. It's been excellent. Yeah, I mean, Michaelis... I think it's, it should be noted that Mike Leake had a similar start to his time he here. Did. Uh, but Michaelis looks like he's got better stuff, to be honest. He looks like, you know, especially the way he pitches is a little different. He doesn't need to get ground ball luck as much. I think he's really blown everybody's expectations out of the water. I mean, the fact that you come in and you've, you, it's, what is it, June 5th, June 6th, whatever day it is? Six, six. June 6th, and he had just recently lost his first game. I know wins and losses aren't a big way to – but, I mean, that's just that just tells you that he has suppressed opposing offenses so effectively that I, he, he, he erased any – I hate to say this, but he erased any of the concern when Wainwright went down and was like, well, I, you know, now we're running out of guys and, you know, at least Wainwright could get you 12 wins, you know, maybe 15. Miles Michael is his, has essentially taken over the staff in – Carlos Martinez's absence, and now that Carlos Martinez is back, I think your starting rotation goes up against any in the NL for sure. Yeah, and you you probably have, and again, we're getting a little bit of a, ahead of ourselves, but you probably have a guy like Jack Flaherty be maybe your number yeah. four, depending on the health of, of some of the other guys, and and that wouldn't be so terrible either. I know that that Luke Weaver kind of had a hot start to the season, and now maybe cooling off a little bit to the point where he might have been the odd man out if there would have been a situation where Alex Reyes isn't 
back on the disabled list and you had six starters. 24 hours after he returned. Yeah. So, but but again, I, even even with him, if he's your fifth best starter, I think you're in in decent shape if everybody keeps healthy. Yeah, I think so too. Let's move to Alex Reyes quickly. Returns the guy from, who hasn't kept healthy. Yeah, returns from <laughs> returns from Tommy John. The long road back from Tommy John misses all of last season. Comes back, comes out, throws four innings, seventy five or so pitches. Gets pulled. Looks uncomfortable in his last innings of work. Coaches come out and visit him on the mound. You've been watching his fastball velocity steadily decline over the course of the game. A little bit of a mound visit. All of a sudden, he corks it back he up. He decides to throw harder. He decides to throw harder. Then he's pulled. He's fine. After the game, he says, I felt no pain. Mike Matheny says we took him out for cautionary reasons. 24 hours later, he's on the DL with a lat strain. And just in case anybody hasn't already heard me say this ad nauseum, strain means tear. It means tear. Strain is a, a sanitized word that you hear from teams that's front office speak. A strain is a tear. So he has torn his latissimus dorsi, which is the muscle that kind of runs up your back and connects up to your shoulders. Then we come to find out, Brendan, that they knew it was a lat strain after the game and downplayed it. And then stories come out today, information comes out today, that he actually felt sore and fatigued in his last minor league rehab start and thought he could throw through it. That was interesting to hear yesterday. And, yeah, that actually did come out that yesterday. Was, that, that was, was, that yeah. was Gersh yesterday. I've just, sorry, I'm seeing the, you see the headlines being written The headlines have been today, yeah. However, now there's some concern that this thing is way more serious than anyone really let on. And there's whispers about, months maybe the rest of the season that this is that bad i i've not seen a lat strain a lat tear pardon me that could could wreck you for the rest of a season however he is a pitcher and his body goes through a tremendous amount of torque when he throws a ball 100 miles an hour noah Syndergaard had had a similar injury to my understanding and had surgery to and then and then he did lose the rest of the season but he went under the knife yeah right so but again we don't know necessarily the the plan or the extent for for Reyes yet. First, all right, let me ask you. I'm going to do one. The Cardinals BS their way through this, like they did with Adam Wainwright's elbow a couple years ago. There's a lot of hand-waving. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. It was cautionary. They know that's not true. And now you find out they knew that this was maybe a risk for him to throw. I think that happened to Adam Wainwright this year. That happens, I mean, yes. <laughs> I was talking about when he, when he oh, went to okay. surgery. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, let's, let me revise that. Adam Wainwright every year. He's fine. He's fine. Up. Oh, look at that. Surgery on the elbow. Same thing with Reyes. This was... They lied. Uh, you know, there's no reason to talk about it. They lied. They knew that his injury was bad, and they waved their hands and said, no, no, it was cautionary, it was cautionary. All right, that's done. Now, it, in your impression, from what you're seeing and hearing and you're feeling down there, how serious is this thing? Because this Gersh seems to be the only one that's being candid about this, and he sure doesn't sound optimistic. Yeah, I assume, look, and even when it happened and – we, we, we heard it was a lat strain. I said, oh, well, that's good, because Carlos Martinez was only supposed to miss one. So- oh, wait a minute. Yeah. No, that doesn't happen either. Uh, the, the lat strains, there's been, like, studies done that the average return is 100 days. Yep. And so if you consider, you know, parse that out from now to the beginning of July, August, to the beginning of September, end of August, at that point you've got a month left anyway. I, at that point I said, well, they might not even bring him back just because of the – the risk and how it's kind of been a bungled situation from the beginning 
And so maybe if it's if it's around that 100-day mark, that's the severity that we're looking at, I say, well, it wouldn't be that much of a surprise if they didn't bring him back just because they're that close to the end of the season. And maybe this time you can finally get a fresh start at the beginning of 2019. It kills you to say that because this guy hasn't pitched since 2016. But that might be what we're looking at. But is, is it not confounding that they were so cautious that they, they put a soft date of May 1st on there and then they slow played his return. They were so cautious. He never went over the marks that he was supposed to hit. They, they took extra time not to rush him back. Everything was fine. And then we find out that knowing there's fatigue and soreness, they pitch him anyways. Now, either he doesn't disclose that to them on time, which is incredibly foolish. And I given, think that's what happened. But th- then that's, that's insane to me, too. Knowing how dedicated he was to staying off the gas, to staying within the lanes that the medical team prescribes for him, his recovery plan, he doesn't push it, he doesn't push it, he talks to other pitchers, so he knows not to rush, doesn't suffer the dead arm. All of a sudden... Now, at the last possible moment, either he decides not to say something or they decide that it's not as serious as it feels. I mean, this to me is a completely blown, this is a blown opportunity to bring back the most dynamic pitcher in baseball, the most exciting name in baseball, certainly. When you get to the final inch, the, the, the one-yard line, and somebody, either the medical team, the front office, or Alex Reyes himself just decides to kind of go off the rails and pitch through discomfort. And now it can cost you the 2017 season and the 2018 season. And you have a franchise defining pitcher who you've lost two years of. Yeah, it's not it's not a good situation. By it's, any means, <laughs> it's, it's uh, I, I can't. It's, I mean, it's frustrating. And I'm, it I'm is. Being, you know what? I'm being very sports talk radio about this right now. I'm just yelling into the void. But I'm, I mean, this this is the kind of stuff that that happens, and then you combine it with a game like last night, where it looks like Keystone Cops, and you see repetitive, you know, the repetitive mistakes, and they're just piling up injuries on the DL and. Every year it's, no, this guy's fine. Nope, he has surgery. Carlos will be back in one week. No, he's, he's out for six weeks. You know, like this, this kind of stuff is, it just reeks of disorganization. It reeks of, a, a la- I don't want to say a lack of leadership, but certainly a lot. Well, it's another point where you're supposed to ask, like, okay, at what point is this not okay? Like, is this, can, can we look at the facts of what has happened and several players that this has kind of gone on with? and say, just like I mentioned with the, the fundamentals on the field, at what point are we like, okay, th- there's something off about this. Can we, how do we go about addressing it? How do we go yes. about fixing our, yeah, our process for these situations? And, you know, by all accounts, the, the, and it, I think the main area that would interest fans and, and people wondering how this continues to happen, and you touched on it, I think it's the communication elements. Like, there has to be a way to over-communicate so that you know if Alex Reyes is feeling something. You, you've got to know exactly what that guy's feeling. And the Cardinals, I feel like when they're asked these questions, kind of chalk it up to, you know, you can only talk to the guy so much, and if he's going to be dishonest with you, then he's going to, that's what he's going to do. I, I don't even, I don't feel like that can be just the, you throw your hands up and say, well, if he's going to lie, he's going to lie. You like, know, at this point, you should know if his heartbeat slows down that's a kinda couple how beats. I, I mean, this, yeah. It sounds nuts, but that's kind of how I feel when you get this far into it and you've had, you know, the Wainwrights and, Wright's and the Martinez's. And valuable. The, right. That, yes. I mean, that's that to me is, like you said, at what point do we say, look, somebody dropped the ball. Because even if he, you know, at his age doesn't want to disclose something, 
honestly, it should be like you should have NASA doctors on hand every minute because if he's going to change the course of your season when he returns, you cannot afford this exact thing. And we've talked a lot about a negative stuff. There is one thing I wanted to bring up, even though most people are aware of this. The offense, the holes in the offense that, that the Cardinals were dealing with have begun to fill themselves in a little bit. Yeah. Matt Carpenter. Matt Carpenter has swung himself back into looking a whole lot more like Matt Carpenter. Uh, Marcelo Zuna, if you go back, I, my favorite thing is the last seven, last 14, last 28. And if you look at his slugging over the last seven days, it's 1,000. The last 14 days, it's 656. Last 28 days, it's 474. I just took it for June only for Marcelo Zuna. Eight for 14, two homers, six RBIs in four games. Yeah. So this is they said maybe he'd heat up when the weather did. So okay, and I mean contrast that with you know his season is now up. He's now up to two eighty one. He's slugging three eighty one. So that tells you how how low those numbers were prior to this last twenty eight day stretch, and certainly now the last 14, 14 and seven days. I mean he he's elevating he's elevating the ball with more consistency. Matt Carpenter. Finally, I don't know, cast off the spell of the Monstar that stole his abilities. <laughs> Dexter Fowler still scuffling a bit, but this offense feels like it runs a lot more efficiently now than a month ago. I would agree with that, but I would, I would still caution it a little bit with you have the guys that were going really well, like Tommy Pham and, and even Jose Martinez. Tommy Pham has fallen off a cliff. Jose has, has kind of tapered off a little bit. But I saw a stat this morning. I cannot remember who tweeted it, but they just listed the runs created plus, you know, weighted to 100 for most of the guys in the Cardinals lineup the last couple of weeks. Tommy Pham's was a 7 mm. when 100 is league average. So he's a guy who's really struggled, and he's a guy that can carry you when he's going right. So I think it's it's important because the, the people you expected, like Ozuna and Carpenter, are coming around. A 7? A 7 out of 1. <laughs> and again, we're talking a very small sample, a couple of weeks. But, you know, another offer yesterday uh, for Tommy, he had the, the ground out that ended up with him making that play on third base, but he didn't have a hit yesterday. Well, and, and let's, you know, if you want to talk about, you know, those same periods, the last 28, 14, 7 days, his average of the last 14 days is 158. You know, his average of the last 28 days is 202. He's slugging 222 over the last 7 days, 360 over the last month. I yeah, mean, he's a, a 200 hitter for for the last month, and that's he's, and they've yeah. mentioned the vision issues are a thing that have have been kind of circling around again. Which, and we we can like yeah, I mean he's hitting I mean 202 on base percentage of 258, slugging percentage of 360 over the last month. I don't know. I am not a doctor, and so when we get into these medical conversations, where I'm like, this is what they should do. Like, of course I think that, but at, at the end of the day, I really don't necessarily <laughs> know. But when I think about Tommy Pham's vision and that being constantly a a conversation and it's like the special contact lenses and I guess they're expensive I don't know how that yeah. works and and some of them are gas permeable so they're a little bit uh you know they might help his vision a little bit more but they might adjust the the peripheral focus I mean yeah. it was yeah it sounds wildly complicated trying to find the right fit. bring back the NASA guys Bill DeWitt can just fund this and just say <laughs> what, do, what does it take because when Tommy Pham is seeing and going well He's, an MVP. he's as good as it gets. He's a 30-30 guy. Right. And so just the fact that for a month he's been a, you know, a liability offensively, that's a that's troublesome. That is you are a billion dollar. 
Again, I know it's probably more complicated than this. You're right. right. We're diving into this. You're a billion dollar franchise. You're a billion dollar franchise. How is it that you cannot hire the best medical minds in the country to design contact lenses for Tommy Pham? I know that that's kind of absurdist. Bionic eye and like this would be like yeah, like I mean this. It's when there are confounding medical problems in sports. It's very. Uh, it's it's stunning to me that these franchises that have the power to bully cities into paying them money cannot figure out how to get a medical team to solve a complicated problem. Michael, let's wrap this up. What do we have? What do we have coming up? Yeah, so the Cardinals schedule coming up, and a lot of this goes with kind of the fundamentals fundamentals things too, because you you're playing some really bad teams coming up. You got two more against the Marlins at home. Trash. Last place team. You got three in Cincinnati this weekend. Garbage. Last place team. And then you get three at home against the Padres. Garbage. Yes. Last place team. They're they're only like six games under though. That's a that's a tight division in the West. They're not yes. good though. They the, they're the, they're the, the least have, of the mediocre teams yes, out west right the, now. The Padres have individuals who are fun okay, yeah. to play. But oh, you want to play a game? We can we play did, a game. We did this the last time we played the Padres. Mike, ask him the uh, ask him the trivia question. Name a Padres pitcher not named Brad Hand. Oh, Luis Perdomo's there, right? It's there. It is. <laughs> I thought you were going to go to. I thought you were going to say not named Luis Perdomo, but I could I name think, a second one. Oh, Drizemir Despagne is he still there? That's what I tried. Dang <laughs> I said, it! I said I, I said is still on that team, right? No, I have no idea. Where he is. Did they get Tyson Ross back, or did he go somewhere else? I think Tyson he's, Ross he's is on that there. team. He's, he's pitching well somewhere. I know that, but I can't. <laughs> Tyson Ross is on that team. Okay. But that's the point. I, that's you, only because I did like a major league pitching rotation preview like three months ago, and so I remember a couple things. So, and, and I don't mean to disparage the the teams. I, I mean they're not good though. So I can I, <laughs> like they're just not. JJ, good. you called them trash. Don't <laughs> don't walk it back. That's don't true. They, I mean they they the Marlins are the they Marlins are. are they are objectively you have actively to, trying to lose. You yes. should win every game against them. You didn't do that yesterday, so at least win the series. So you got what? You got two. So you got eight games left against teams. Teams that you sh- uh, coming up against teams that you should beat. These should be at least six wins out of the last eight games. Right, and then things get really interesting. This is probably the toughest stretch of the season for the Cardinals. Mid June. This will be good. This is some good baseball coming up in mid June. You got three games at home against the Cubs, who mm. the Cardinals swept the last time. You gonna go for a trash on that one or no? <laughs> no, no, they're too good, man. Uh, so they're the, sleeping. They're sleeping. And obviously they're ahead of the Cardinals in the Central. Then you get three at the Phillies, who actually who tap, should be, who should, should be, be trash, trash but, but they, they are not. If you think they're about not. the way they Jake Arrieta well. talks about them, though, they are trash. <laughs> <laughs> man, he went off. Uh, I'm so sick of Jake Arrieta, man. <laughs> like, oh, he's an insane person. Look at his wife. That's not 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 the time. Go ahead, keep going. So. I'm, after a visit to Philadelphia, head up to Milwaukee for another four-game weekend series. That's the f- team you're chasing. Then you get a little interleague play against the Indians, who not a great record, but they are in first place. They've yeah, they're, been they're, a playoff team the past That AL Central is weird. First place at 500 is a very strange I would say the Indians are another team sleeping, too. Like, yeah, they're, they're, I, sleeping. they're better than they're playing. They're, yeah, they're, they're sleeping. That's not even a division that's going to – like, they're gonna, they could win that. They could win that with – 22 guys. They'll be on their like Oscar. the Golden State Warriors, who they they didn't have to win their you know their division or yeah, they'll, middle they'll of the league, but they're gonna be the fine when it comes time yeah. to be fine. And then you end the month of June with a series I'm very excited for: the first place Atlanta Braves. Wait, what who are the? Braves? Hold on a second. What who wrote the "LOL"? The Braves are in first on this sheet of paper. <laughs> that, that would be me. <laughs> who that would did be that? Producer Mike. <laughs> that is. Do you remember? Do you remember this moment, this season, when the Phillies and the Braves played for first place in the East? Hey, Mike, who, what other teams are in the East? Uh, uh, the Mets are in the East? Mm, LOL Mets. Go on. <laughs> but the Washington Nationals. The Washington Nationals. They do still exist. The Washington Nationals. 
the perennial the perennial World Series the fight in Bryce pick. Harper's the fight in Bryce Harper's the, the Mad Max yeah the growling Max Scherzer. Scherzer. he threw an immaculate inning again yesterday he's he's like the list like it's like four Hall of Famers and Max Scherzer who have ever thrown two immaculate innings his K per nine this season is at thirteen point seven he is right insane now. have you he's, seen the videos of him like the close ups in between pitches where he like growls and swears at he's batters? awesome dude I, yeah I'm how did the real, Cardinals not go after this guy I, I he's I awesome I feel like blood's gonna pour out of his eyes one of these crap. days. But back to all right. So the national when I'm playing the Nationals, the the Braves are. I gotta I gotta be honest. I don't get it. They're I, fun. I don't get. It. They're awesome. And Charlie I remember Culberson. Two Springs. I was super excited because they had, um, they I believe they had Bartolo, and they had R. A. Dickey, in their in their rotation, which means they had two of the three oldest people in baseball, like eighty year eighty three years or something worth of of age in their rotation. And then and those you guys can, that are eighteen years old that are on the team. And then <laughs> and and you got like Matt Kemp, and then you got like Dansby Swanson playing across from like who was their second baseman that year? Was that Phillips? Yeah, he was down there. It was yeah, Randy that Phillips. was weird. They were like they had the young guys, and then you they had, brought in some randoms yeah, that were you old. Had, you had guys, you had the the dogs at the very end of the kennel who had been in there for years, and they were filling out the roster. And they all, all went to Atlanta. <laughs> they, oh, yeah, Jaime Garcia headed yeah. down to Atlanta. That was such a bizarre team, but I'm like, it's kind of fun to watch. Like beginning of career playing next to end of career. All of a sudden this year, it comes together, and Osuna, who was their big like ace in the whole prospect, he hasn't even really contributed. He came up, he thrilled everybody, and he's been on the DL since. Right, but Ozzy Albies has been pretty spectacular. He's been very good too. That's good true. for my fantasy team as well. Uh, not happy about uh, on my fantasy team, which is why I know he's been on the DL. Okay, uh, not happy about Julio Tehran as far as my fantasy team is concerned. I have him in like a dynasty deserves, league, so I want to I want to hang on, but I might need to. Julio, Julio Tehran deserves a better fate. Man. He's back I, on the DL again. Yeah, he deserves a better fate. Also, on my team is Dansby Swanson. So well, he's doing a little better too, isn't he? Yes, I know more about the Braves than I should, okay. but I still don't understand yeah, the it's Braves weird. at it all. Is. Uh, but that'll be actually a really fun series because I, I'm not sure if that team is for real or if they're like the, you know, I, again, I mean, they could be like the Golden Knights, you know, Vegas's hockey squad. They could, like, everyone could be like, this isn't real, this isn't real. And then all of a sudden they're in the Stanley Cup finals. You know, who knows with this this Braves team. But, I mean, could, do you really see the Braves beating the Nationals? No. In the, a, pitching, the pitching can't compete. I want to see, like, if if they can hang on as long as they do, like in August or September, whenever those teams match up, like, when it gets to crunch time, I'd... I'd love to see those series. I don't think I that would. they could win, no. But I mean, I'm excited. Like, honestly, I'm just excited to see for the, the the fact that we could see some something out of the NL East that isn't the Mets, the same old Nationals, same. like just right. so, somebody new. Well, and people are challenging the Dodgers out west too. I feel That's like been it's. Fun. I feel like it's going to be, you know, t- typically it's been really easy. It feels like to project like, okay, here are the teams that are going to go. Maybe it's different this year. I hope it's different. I do too. Well, I've taken us past our, our time, Mark. Thank you for coming in today. I know that you're going over to the stadium shortly or going to dinner first and then going to the stadium. I will be. Um, you can follow Brendan again at B Schaefer 12. B Schaefer was taken. B Schaefer, all, all 11 of them. Got all the 11 B Schaefer's. You can follow Mike at Mike Steve Ritter on Twitter. You can follow me at DJJ Bailey. Find both Brendan and myself and Mike's work, KMLV.com and the Baseball STL app. Thank you guys for listening. I promise we will be back next week. We are back to regularly publishing. Thank you for sticking with us. Be nice to each other, and we'll see you soon.